0: Hello and welcome Behind the Marquee, a movie discussion podcast taking you inside the world of an art house cinema. My name is Nick Alderink and I am the digital media specialist at the Michigan Theatre Foundation located here in Ann Arbor, Michigan. We are recording in the downtown Ann Arbor Library studio. We thank them for having us and we are ready to get started. I am joined by two guests who also work at the Michigan Theatre. Brian and Caitlin, tell us what
1: you do for the Michigan Theater Foundation. I'm Brian Hunter. I'm the Senior Film Programmer at the Michigan Theater Foundation.
2: Hello, everyone. I'm Caitlin Joswicki, and I run Cinetopia Film Festival. That happens May 31st through June 10th.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much for that plug. Thank you for coming by, recording our first episode of the Behind the Marquee podcast. So I said this is good, just going to be a general movie discussion podcast, but we'll be answering some common questions along the way that you may have about our business of running an independent cinema. We'll also be covering our strategies of running a theater in a world of megaplexes, how we strategize our programming, how we run our festivals, but also take some time to cover our own personal experiences with film and why it is we love to do what we we do now before i begin i just want to cover exactly what the michigan theater foundation is you may be familiar with the michigan theater on liberty street but actually people we find that people don't know that we also run the state theater on state street obviously we also have a film festival like caitlin just met, mentioned in the summer Cinetopia, and we also run an alliance of independent cinemas called art house convergence uh, that is run specifically within a cubicle at the michigan theater <laughs> Uh, managed by our colleague Mackenzie Peacock, who you will expect, you can expect to be on a future podcast. But we'll tackle a little bit more about what those really are later, because we are here to discuss the Sundance Film Festival. Yay. We are just a month removed from the Sundance Film Festival. So a quick, what are your takes on the Sundance Film Festival? How was it this year?
2: Well, for me, this is my tenth festival in attendance, and I also have a, a different experience because I work for the festival as well. Um, I run one of the venues there. Um, but this year, um, it, it really every year is really unique for me, and every as far as content goes and what movies come out of it. Um, this year, the quality seemed to be just at a, a higher level. All the movies that I saw, albeit I didn't see as many as Brian or maybe you, Nick, but mm-hmm. um, I saw thirteen, I think, and I would say every one of them had. I, I liked them, I didn't like them, but the quality was there and I saw that the storytelling was evident and people are really upping their game and um, I think that might have something to do with, um, you'll see something or we'll mention later maybe in this podcast about episodics or um, short form and just how TV is really taking on the movie industry as well. So I'm thinking that the quality is just, is just has grown so much from the first year that I've gone.
1: Yeah, I thought, I'm with Caitlin on this, Is I thought this was a really strong film festival this year. and I've been going for probably my ninth year, and this is the first time maybe ever where I felt like it really felt like the films were selected for a film festival, where it wasn't a film that maybe just propped up for an Oscar run or to get some sort of support Mm -hmm. from a festival. It felt like a film festival. Maybe that had something to do with there weren't a lot of buyers, you know, distributors buying films at it. Um, But it felt like the films felt more grounded in reality it just was a really strong year, I think, for, for the filmmakers there. And I think it was, I think, a conscious decision by Sundance. I think they're always striving for, like, excellence in programming. So I think that they achieved it this year. And they, but they also made it feel like the film festival you may, like, Cinetopia is. It may just feel like your own personal little film festival. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, this is my first time
0: going. Uh, how many years have you been going, Brian? I believe this was my ninth year. That year, and you said ten. Th- ten. Mm-hmm. Was, was what was the theme of this year? Do, do does Sundance usually have a have a theme?
2: No, but it. I don't think they go into it with a theme in mind. But I think as, and I want to say that the, how many films that they have, everyone kind of has their own. Um, it it funny enough, but um, in years past, I've seen Detroit was actually a theme. I thought there were like four or five movies about Detroit, um, one year or just like the cities, you know, just cities like Detroit, and they had different content that really related to Detroit. Um, That was a few years ago where Detropia was there. Um, Last year it felt like there was a lot of talk about it was just women in general. Mm -hmm. Um, This year I didn't – the movies actually that I selected or that I saw didn't really have um, too big of a – there wasn't a string that I have found just yet. Mm -hmm. I did find a lot of films talking about – masculine relationships male relationships and digging deeper into that and not really um and exploring bro culture actually so i know that we're talking a lot about female filmmakers and um exploring women in film and looking at um, more female characters strong female leads but a lot of the things that i saw were actually looking at some of the more subtle male relationships Mm -hmm. out there which sound um that's just something that i uh, it was really interesting to me because that's also important to the the conversation about women in filmmaking and and you know talking to, and showing women in films as well. So
0: and the films were definitely timely, especially the documentaries that I saw. Mm. There was the Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary, right. who is obviously yeah. relevant right now. There was a documentary I saw called *Crime and Punishment* about the uh,
1: quota system in the NYPD. Mm. Yeah, I think I think Sundance always wants to take a chance on that stuff and sort of push the the envelope on, on what's happening in society and really like shine a light on sort of issues. And I think in the past, maybe it felt that stuff was really prevalent and you had, you know, it was there and they, they wanted to wrestle with it. And I thought this year they may be a little more restrained because it's everywhere. There's so many mm-hmm. issues you could talk about that there was more stuff. So I don't know if that thread is there at all, but I think it's a lot of threads, there's a lot of different threads that relate to what's going on right now. Which I'm
2: happy about because there's often things that are overlooked or, or instances that are not shared, but the stories are there. And because they're maybe focused on a certain theme, they're, they're missing some really great content out there. So it's, it's good to see a very full festival like this.
0: So I just want to get into uh, quick the history of Sundance. I have some information here. It started in 1978 as the Utah U.S. Film Festival with Robert Redford as the inaugural chairman to showcase independent films, uh, American films specifically, and to highlight retrospective titles that could draw panels and talent. At the first Sundance, they showed Deliverance, A Streetcar Named Desire, Midnight Cowboy, and Mean Streets. And then it wasn't until 1991 that it was renamed Sundance after obviously after robert redford's character and now it's really become sort of this the beginning of a calendar year for
1: for the film industry would you agree with that sort of statement yeah i'd absolutely agree with that statement i mean i think if you look back historically at sundance cuz i don't know what's going to come out of this sundance but a film like call me by your name that debuted at sundance in 2017 in january i think even earlier than that maybe but that's a film that didn't come out in theaters until november so there is a lot of, like, forecasting that comes out of Sundance and looking for those beasts of the Southern Wild or those Call Me By Your Names. But I think that is extrapolated beyond just the theatrical side. I think that's like the start of the festival year, a lot the start of the booking year for film festivals, too, where you may not get Beasts of the Southern Wild, but you'll see 20 other films that are perfect for your community, perfect for your festival that you're not going to see anywhere else. And they come with like a stamp of approval from Sundance. So it it does help.
2: I would say for us, as far as programming, this is when we really get to the nitty gritty as far as Cinetopia goes. So we can really get deep into watching many movies and Sundance is right at that sweet spot for us. But um, I think some would argue that Telluride or Toronto International Film Festival are probably the start of the maybe the Oscar buzzy type of movies. Um, So it really all depends on what you're really what you're looking for as far as the start of the calendar year. And everyone has their different opinions on it, and I would say that everyone kind of has their 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 own festival that they truly enjoy going to. Sundance, we have a nice relationship with, um, our relationship with Art House Convergence, with Nick mentioned earlier. Um, they were really big supporters of that conference happening in Utah right before the Sundance Film Festival, so there's always a really special place and a special relationship that we hold with Sundance. So for us, it's like... Our festival kind of thing. That's yeah. what we love. We love going to, and it. it we, we get a lot from it. And um, but yeah, I I could see some people arguing that the beginning of that calendar year calendar year for movies might be Telluride in September. Or so
0: Sundance has obviously grown so much since it since it's began, and
1: it's um, some would complain that it's also become very Hollywood. Yeah, I agree with that statement, but I'm also like it's one of those who cares things for me. I mean. If people want to go and see movies, knock themselves out. So if people want to spend fifteen hundred dollars on a pass, knock yourself out. I think that people who go to Sundance really want to engage with cinema. Mm-hmm. And if and that I'm just talking about the customer side of it. Even getting into the business side of it, I still think it it, it has a gun. Is it Hollywood? Sure, but again, who cares? Like these are filmmakers who are getting their films seen by lots of people. These are filmmakers who are getting their films purchased by studios who are going to take care of them hopefully and get their film out to a wider audience. So if you think it's gone Hollywood, it has, but in probably a really righteous and important way.
2: Well, really good that Hollywood is coming and paying attention to some of these indie filmmakers because we have Ryan Coogler, who just directed... Uh, Black Panther Mm -hmm. and he was there with his first film Fruitvale Station so if Hollywood wasn't paying attention or coming to Sundance then we wouldn't have films like Creed or Black Panther that are so important to the conversation of filmmaking right now and especially with Ryan Coogler coming it's I mean it's it's really important for that relationship to happen and that connection to happen and um, Sundance does a good job of maintaining their roots I think Um, but really what are filmmakers to do i mean they're going to keep making they if you want your your professional your resume or if they want their you know their resume going then it's it's good that it's there, unless they want to continue, you know, making indie, all of it is it's depending on what you where you want your career to go. But for someone like Ryan Coogler, or then you have Jordan vogt Roberts who um, directed us Kings of Summer, and then he directed Kong Skull Island this year. I mean, that's amazing. So these are it's all good things. Yeah, but, and
1: if it wasn't going to be Sundance, it would be something else. Right. I mean, like yeah. some other festival, we'd be sitting here talking about them if they've gone Hollywood, have they gone Hollywood? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think Sundance isn't – I think all festivals are important, but Sundance is a really important festival because it launches all these people. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think uh, uh, last year there was Get Out that was at oh, Sundance. Yeah. And I know – and looking back on the history, Reservoir Dogs was first seen at uh, Sundance, and Clerks launched Kevin Smith. And then even this year, uh, as we get back, we're starting to see all these films that we saw that got picked up by distributors. Right. I think uh, the, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg doc mm-hmm. got picked up by Magnolia. Mm-hmm and there's a kindergarten teacher starring Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal was bought by Netflix. Uh, Sorry to Bother You, Sorry to bother you. Uh, starring Lakeith Stanfield from Atlanta was bought by Annapurna. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, we did see a lot of films that most likely won't see the light of day, but there is still this, like, like you said, Sundance is very well maintaining their roots right. as an independent distributor, mm-hmm. as a launching point mm-hmm. for a lot of these filmmakers. So let's get into talking about some of our favorite films okay. that we saw at Sundance. First, how many films did we all see? You said you saw something like 13. 13 yeah. And we should say this was in a span of
1: a week. Yeah. Yeah, 6 days. Mm-hmm. 6 yes. days. How many did you see, Brian? Well, I saw I saw 29 while I was at the festival, but I've seen eight since I've been back with, you know, with online screeners and stuff like that. Um so yeah, let's say let's say 36. How about that? That's a fair number.
0: That's a, yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about our favorite films, at least our favorite
1: film that we saw. Let's keep it to one here. Yeah, I I oh. can't say enough about the Mr. Rogers documentary, uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor. It's directed by Morgan Neville, who did 40 Feet from Stardom, an Academy Award-winning film. He did uh, Best of Enemies, which is a film we debuted at Sun or at Cinetopia a few years ago. He made a Yo-Yo Ma documentary a few years ago as well. And uh, I just think it's, like, in a really important and timely film. And, I, I mean there's not much to hate about Mr. Rogers. I mean, there's, you're not going to walk out of there going that changed my perception of Mr. Rogers. What you're going to walk out of there feeling is good. I mean, it's like chicken soup. It's good for you. Um, I thought it was like some really interesting approaches and to how they use uh, this wealth of archival footage. I thought that they um, just did a really good job of presenting somebody who really cared about how children learn and how children access technology and media and all facets of their life. And, I even think it humanizes him to a point that, I mean, it sounds strange to say that Mr. Rogers needed to be humanized, but like it does humanize him. I mean, it gets into his religious background, which is a thing that I wasn't aware of, but when you hear them talk about it, it's so positive and so honest in why he was doing it and what his mission was in life that you just can't really, you just feel good walking out of that movie. And it has some great animated stuff with Daniel Tiger in it, and it's lots of great archival footage, like I said. So that was the one that just stood out Um, To me, I just really like that movie.
0: And I'd just like to add to that, we saw that, it was the last movie we saw that night, and it was the perfect movie Mm -hmm. to end the day on. Like you said, it was chicken noodle soup. I felt so happy walking out of that film. And if you ever get a chance to see it, watch it at 9 o'clock at night. You're Mm -hmm. going to go to sleep with the best feeling in your whole life.
2: I'll try that tonight. Well, it's hard for me to choose because I said earlier that the content was really... Strong, um, but uh, some of my favorites are uh, butterflies. It was a it's a Turkish film about estranged siblings who come together and um, find their friendship again. I want to say it's hilarious and it's subtitled. Um, and the director mentioned how the subtitling because one of the questions in the Q and A that I was hosting I'll put that in there. He mentioned uh, the humor is sometimes lost in subtitles, but I really didn't feel like that with this particular. This this humor that he used it was laugh out loud funny. Um, so I hope that we can bring it, and I hope everyone um, lets me know what they think about that one. But um, another one it's a documentary called The Last Race. It's about a raceway in Long Island, and just um, kind of like a, a nostalgic look at maybe. A, ho- a hobby that is going away maybe or people just don't have the time for it anymore and um, the owners how people don't want to take over in a dying industry I suppose and what what are owners to do with that and um, the visuals of that are insane and beautiful and really uh, he, the the photographer gets in there he's a he's a photographer turned director with this one and, and that eye is really important because it's just really striking images of racing dirty nasty cars which I love so um, that those are those are some top ones for me there was a film called Tyrell which is um, a really uncomfortable movie that I can't say I had the same feeling as you after mr. Rogers but uh, I was thinking a lot about it and it's about um, that what I mentioned earlier that bro culture and how we deal with that and how sometimes we say things that are actually microaggressions and not just funny for everybody so really important films that are uh, will cause a lot of conversations really spark something with people that that um, Those ones stuck out for me, I guess. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So my favorite film was this film called Wildlife, uh, and this was about, it's adapted from a novel by Richard Ford, and it's about this 1960s nuclear family living in Montana, and it it stars Jake Gyllenhaal and Carey Mulligan, but at the center of this movie is this teenage kid uh, played by an actor named Ed Mm. Uh, Oxenbould. Previously, he's really only known for his role playing Alexander, and Alexander in the no-good... Horribly rotten, very bad. Oh day. yeah, yeah. He was in that one, and that's kind of uh, that's really all he's been known for. But this was really this coming of age movie for him. He has this family, and they seem happy at the beginning, but it, as you know, life starts to happen for this for this couple. It starts to dissolve. It reminds you of this time growing up, when your parents seem to you as these omniscient superheroes, mm-hmm. and they know everything, and they're they're perfect people. But really, as you get older, you start to realize they're people. Mm-hmm. You're, they're people with flaws, and they, they don't know everything that you think that they know. And then if Carrie Mulligan gives the best performance of her career, mm-hmm. I think. And yeah. she plays this character who, on, on the face, you can see that there's so much going inside her head, but you never can quite crack the surface of what that is. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's just a brilliant performance. And it's Paul Dano's directorial debut. Paul Dano, who you may know as an actor, he was in Swiss Army Man. He was in There Will Be Blood. He was in...
2: Uh, the Girl the girl Next Door. <laughs> the Girl Next Door, Love and
0: Mercy. He played at, uh, Brian Wilson in Love and Mercy. He's, yeah, He's, he's a, a terrific actor, mm-hmm. and he, I can't wait to see what he does uh, more as a director.
2: Yeah, yeah, exciting. I didn't see... This one, or I didn't see the Mr. Rogers one, but hearing you talk about that, it's something that's exciting I'm looking forward to seeing. And as a Carrie Mulligan fan, I'm excited about that.
0: And then we, we can't talk about everything that we saw there. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but other notable films that were at the festival, A Boy, A Girl, A Dream from Ann Arbor Native, uh, Ann Arbor Native Kasim Basir. That was in the next category. And the next category at Sundance is really the selection of films for up-and-coming directors or directors who work on a small budget and they're able to showcase what they can do with such a small budget. And then there's this film called Hereditary, starring Tony Collette, and that has been getting a lot of buzz on social media just from its trailer alone. Right. Uh, Scary. The, yeah, this oh, it's a it's a horror film. Look up the trailer <laughs> if you haven't seen it yet. It looks terrifying. Then we mentioned the Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary, which I'm sure will see the light of day, and all stuff that you should definitely check out when it, when it when it hits when it hits release. So now, as we start to wrap up here, uh, we're going to start a segment here called our movie magic moment. And this is where a moment where we all watch a lot of movies. This is kind of our lives. Mm-hmm. and But there's every once in a while you watch a movie and it strikes you in ways that other movies don't. And this is you see those, moment, those moments in film where it reminds you of why it is that we love to do what we do. So... Uh, Let's get into it. Caitlin, what was your movie magic moment that you've seen recently?
2: Well, it wasn't recent, but it still sticks with me. Um, While I was watching Dunkirk, I leaned over to my husband Aaron and I said, this is why I love movies. Exactly what you said. Um, It was stunning to watch, and it just struck me. You You could tell that there was a lot of thought and just love like that the, the, you know Christopher Nolan's own love of movie making was so evident in Dunkirk um yeah I felt it it got me and I know it's a big budget but it's Oscar it's you know we're in Oscar week right now so it's kind of it's topical for that <laughs> but that was it it just hit me and I it still sticks with me and I still every time I think of that movie I just yeah I'm like thank you for making movies yeah for me,
1: what uh, anybody who knows me, has probably heard me say that one of my favorite movies of all time is Casino, and I was watching it recently within the last couple of weeks, and the scene where Robert De Niro is doing this voiceover about at, towards the end of the movie, where he's talking about Sharon Stone's character took all the jewels and met up with some Hell's Angels and they blew all the money or whatever, and there's a scene where Sharon Stone walks out into the hallway of some cheap-looking motel and just sort of like slinks down with this realization of like. What's going on? And that's my interpretation. They don't really say it. And that that scene got me in the when I saw it because it's you're watching this really great actress give a really great performance mm-hmm. in a really great movie. And it's like one of those reasons, and people don't walk around talking about how great of an actress Sharon Stone is. she slays in this movie. She's so good in casino. And it's those performances where you're just reminded that people mm-hmm. like love movies and they put their heart and their soul into making movies. And maybe they don't get the respect they deserve. but, they're putting it all out there, and it just makes you—it makes you want to see more.
2: Right, right. Brian and I don't agree on all of our movie titles, but we do agree on Casino. <laughs> Casino is a great our tough, movie. It's one of our favorites.
1: <laughs> so my magic
0: moment. I saw this little indie feature called Black Panther recently, <laughs> which is killing it right now, and it deserves every bit of praise so that excited. it is getting. Like, yeah. I walked into this film, and everyone's saying it's it's how terrific it is. Mm-hmm. And I started walking with a chip on my shoulder because every Marvel movie or every big budget superhero movie people praise. And I walk in like, how good could it be? This was terrific. Yeah. The action sequences, the act, the action sequences are so good in this movie. But there's this moment. I'm not gonna get too into detail. About the plot, but they go to this South Korean casino and the whole thing starts to play out like a James Bond scene where they go in, they're going to capture Andy Serkis's character, his name is Claw, and they they want to capture him peacefully, but of course it doesn't go that way Right. It ends up into this big action sequence and a, a chase into the streets, but it's not the action sequences that stick out to me. It's, it isn't It isn't the explosions, it's not the car chases it's how these characters interact with each other that are sticking in my head it's the jokes that they tell it's how they talk to each other in this whole scene and that was it was so refreshing for a movie it does do a lot that you've seen in other action movies mm-hmm. but it's different in some way and it, it's really hard to describe that that feeling is something so familiar and so fresh at the same time and it was just a relief. It was such a relief to walk into this movie, and I could forget about everything for a good two and a half hours. Yeah, It was so much fun to watch. And I good. suggest, if, if you haven't seen Black Panther yet, go see it. It's at the State Theater, worth every penny that yeah. you have. So that is a wrap for Behind the Marquee. Thank you both for joining me here. And thank you once again to the Ann Arbor District Library for letting us take up their space in the studio for a little bit. We're gonna be back in a couple weeks with our Oscar roundup and our summer movie preview. There's a lot of great flicks coming out this season that we are excited to talk about and bring to you. We do not have any official social media channels for this podcast yet, but you can talk to us through our Michigan Theater Facebook and or Twitter page. I run those. I'll be seeing those. I love to hear some feedback, good or bad. That is at Michigan, T-H-E-A-T-E-R. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon behind the marquee.